What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Home Field Podcast. So in today's episode, it's primarily going to be a lot of NFL to go over. So what we'll do is we'll recap all of the Sunday matchups from Week 13 in the NFL. And then we'll also preview some of the matchups that we have for the rest of the week as well. So we've got three games left on the Week 13 schedule. The first one we'll go over is going to be the Washington football team against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then after that, we got the Buffalo Bills going against the 49ers. And then after that, we got a game tomorrow against the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll preview those matchups, and then I'll pick the team that I think is going to win those games. And then to wrap up the episode, we'll go over some of the teams that really had solid performances in college football this week. We'll go over teams like Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Florida. So really packed episode today. It's kind of a longer episode than normal, but... Let's get to it, and hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. All right, so let's get to the Week 13 games from the NFL first, and then once we're done with all of the games to cover from this week, we'll move on to some of the top five teams in the uh, college football ranks. We'll, we'll go through those games as well just to kind of see where things stand in the college football playoff rankings. But first things first, we'll start with the NFL. Really kind of one of the standout games from yesterday was the matchup between the Browns and the Titans. Really, both of these teams were were rolling at this point in the season. The, the, the Titans were just coming off of a big win against the Colts last week. And the Browns have been fairly consistent throughout the entire year. So both of these teams were eight and three going into this matchup yesterday. And I mean, the game was essentially over by halftime. So I didn't get a chance to watch this game. I watched the highlights after the fact, but I was listening to it when I was at work yesterday and I just couldn't believe at how good the, the Cleveland Browns offense just looked going down the field. I mean, pretty much the entire first half, they marched up and down the field like it was a walkthrough at practice. It looks fairly easy. Baker Mayfield was outstanding yesterday. He looked, this is honestly probably one of the best games I've ever seen him play in the NFL. And the stats back it up. He was 25 of 33, threw for 334 yards and had four touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, and the nice thing about Baker yesterday was that he was able to spread the ball around pretty much to most of his receivers fairly easy, easily yesterday. Rashard Higgins had a nice day. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a solid day. And even Donovan Peoples-Jones went on a uh, went on a go route, ended up getting a 75-yard touchdown. And I'm just telling you, like, I couldn't believe at how great the Browns played in the first half. It was 38-7 to at halftime. And I always kind of revert back to that Saints-Bucks game just because of how well the Saints played in the first half. I'll tell you right now, the Cleveland Browns yesterday probably had one of the best first half performances in a game the entire season. The Titans had a good one against the Colts last week, but I mean, it was 38 to seven and a half time. The game was essentially over, or at least it felt like it for the most part, just because 38 to seven and a half time on the road. I wasn't expecting that. I was picking the Titans to win this game and Cleveland shut me up and probably shut up a lot of other people as well, just because I think most people going into this game probably had the Titans winning it just because 
you would think that really Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannenhill in that offense would be able to just pound the rock for most of the day and pretty much slow the game down for the Browns to where they wouldn't even have that many possessions. But it was completely the opposite yesterday. I mean, in the first half, I think the Browns possessed the ball for 21 minutes compared to the Titans only having it for nine minutes. And it was just outstanding play from the from the Browns. Not only that, their defense was outstanding. They were getting constant pressure on Ryan Tannenhill yesterday. They essentially made Derrick Henry look like an absolute dud yesterday. He he couldn't do anything on the ground yesterday. And it didn't help that the uh, – I remember Derrick Henry, he fumbled the ball, I want to say, around like the 25 or 30-yard line on their side of the field. And it led to a really easy touchdown drive for the Browns after. It, it just – really, just looking at the Titans yesterday, the, the Titans just couldn't get anything right yesterday. Now, they did come back in the second half, but they just couldn't get enough stops to really keep the Browns in check. I mean, granted, the Browns only scored three points in, in the second half. But, I mean, at that point, you could play at 75% pace and probably win that game. Now, the score does seem like it was a closer game, but it wasn't. I mean, 41-35 to seems like a close game the most. But, I mean, it was 38-7 to at halftime. And really up until, like, the last few minutes of the game, uh, Cleveland was up by 20 points. So... 41 to 35. Yeah, Browns Browns fans and maybe the coaches are probably looking at it. Well, the score probably got a little too close for comfort, but the Browns pretty much had full control of that game yesterday and they looked outstanding. And I I just I can't believe that the Browns just removed off of going 0 16 a few years ago are now at 9 and 3. And I don't think really anybody is Really giving them credit was really giving them credit up until this point in the season. I mean, they were eight and three in a pretty solid division where most people were looking at the Steelers and the Ravens as the front runners for that division, and the Browns have just shown up and they have played great, consistent football. And I think really the one thing that's kind of stood out to me is that their defense has been outstanding. And in the first half yesterday, they were able to basically limit. Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannenhill to really lackluster performances and get them to and really get the team to nine and three. I mean, I'm just absolutely surprised that the Cleveland Browns of all teams, especially them, are nine and three and looking at a real contender in the AFC at this point. So give the Browns some credit, man. Give them some love. They they deserve it at this point. And really, I mean, they're probably the top. They're a top three team in the. AFC right now so definitely definitely keep an eye out for them as we come into the end end of the season these next couple weeks so all right moving on we'll talk about one of the more surprising results from yesterday and that was the Giants versus the Seahawks so the Giants win a shocker yesterday beating the Seahawks 17 to 12 now for me I thought Seattle was going to win this game fairly convincingly just because you got a backup quarterback in Colt McCoy starting for the Giants. And you just don't really know how well he's going he's gonna to play. And I, I, if you give me the matchup between Russell Wilson and Colt McCoy, I'm going to take Russell Wilson all day. But the one thing that I didn't really account for was the Giants' defense. And I, I've given them some respect really the last couple of weeks because the Giants are a team that 
despite their record, they don't give up. They play really tough football for 60 minutes. And granted, their offense isn't really dynamic. It's not really explosive with either Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy running at the quarterback position. But they're decent enough, as long as they don't turn the ball over and they don't commit stupid penalties, they can actually be a somewhat decent team moving forward. And they proved it yesterday. I mean, that defensive performance yesterday was absolutely outstanding. And that's really where I want to give probably most of the credit. Just overall, just the fact that they were able to keep Russell Wilson and only 263 yards passing on 43 attempts. I mean, that's, that's sensational. I mean, just looking at the board here, I mean, what they were able to really do well yesterday was keep Russell Wilson contained in the pocket and they were able to lock up DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for most of the day. So, there were a lot of plays where Russell Wilson's running around just trying to get um, some space in the in the backfield or in the pocket just to maybe get a chance to throw it to either DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. But a lot of those sacks that the Giants got, they were coverage sacks just because guys were not getting open. And Russell Wilson would stand in the pocket for five to six seconds, but if nobody's going to open up, that pass rush was eventually going to get to them, and it did. So... I mean, yesterday, the, I mean, Seattle gave up five sacks yesterday. I mean, it just goes to show that if you're able to keep Russell Wilson contained in that pocket and lock up the receivers fairly well, it's going to hold It's gonna hold the Seahawks offense to a pretty pedestrian day, and it did for the most part. So, I mean, even Jabril Peppers, he, he, was, get, he was getting sacks. And as a safety, that's, that's extremely impressive. I mean, the only other person I could really think who gets a lot of sacks at the safety position is Jamal Adams with the Seahawks. But really, the you have to give a lot of credit to the Giants bringing consistent pressure against Seattle all day. And the Giants offense really didn't commit too many turnovers yesterday. I think Colt McCoy only had that one interception. And I thought that they were able to run the ball fairly well. I mean, Wayne Gallman had 16 carries for 135 yards. Alfred Morris also chipped in for eight for 39 and also got a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown as well. And that proved to be just enough to get the win over Seattle. And I mean, at this point, the giants are number one in the NFC East. They look like probably the favorite to come out of the NFC East at this point, but we'll kind of see how it goes for them for the next couple weeks. But I got to talk about the Seahawks here. The Seahawks should be ashamed of themselves for that performance yesterday. Granted, I know the Giants played really well defensively yesterday and they stepped up and they needed to make the plays that they did. But Seattle is one of the best teams in the NFC. Russell Wilson is an MVP caliber player and they just didn't get it done yesterday. I mean, giving up 17 points is pretty good against a backup quarterback. So I'm not really going to talk about the defense here. I thought the defense played pretty well yesterday for, for Seattle. The offense just couldn't get it together. And... If you can't get it together against a pretty, a pretty, I, I don't want to say a bad team. I don't want to say the Giants are a bad team. They're just, at best, they're just, um, they're an okay team, maybe, maybe average, but by and large, they're a below average team. And to lose to a team like them and only score 12 points in the process at home when they got to travel to the other side of the country to play you. The Seahawks got to play better than that. 
this is this is one of these games where Seattle's going to look back and they they're probably going to look back and say this is a game that we probably should have won because like I said, they're one of the top dogs in the NFC and to lose to the Giants in this manner, I I just think that that's it's a bad look for Seattle. Seattle should have won this game. I think I had Seattle winning this game by like 10 points when I was making my picks this weekend. And this is a game that they probably should have won. So, I mean, looking forward to the uh, looking forward to Seattle's schedule. You know, they should be able to finish out the season at a decent record. But yeah, they they didn't help themselves yesterday in the NFC playoffs. Uh, the NFC playoff race. They could have been nine and three after this performance, and right now they're sitting at eight and four. Probably looking at either the three and four seed at this point. So we'll kind of see how it goes for the rest of the season. But yeah, Seattle should have won this game yesterday. That's just my honest opinion. So moving on, we'll cover the Packers versus the Eagles yesterday. Obviously, this was a big game for the Eagles if they wanted to stay in contention for the NFC East uh, division crown at this point. And it was a nightmare yesterday for the most part. I mean, Carson Wentz looks awful yesterday. And at this point, it, it, is it really time for a change? at the quarterback position for the Eagles. And I, I think I think at this point, you can make a valid argument that Jalen Hurts might be a better option for the team moving forward. Just because Carson Wentz and that offense, they, they just can't get it right. And a lot of times when I'm, when I'm watching Carson Wentz stand there in the pocket, ready to throw passes, it almost reminds me of when Sam Darnold was playing against the Patriots last year and he said... Whenever they were bringing pressure, it was like he was seeing ghosts, even though that they weren't even near him. And that's what I'm seeing from Carson Wentz. A lot of times when he's backing up in the pocket, he's expecting to get hit because the offensive line can't protect him. And I think in large part, it's just shaking his confidence to the point where I don't think he's going to be a viable option for the Eagles this year. But I thought Jalen Hurts actually stepped up pretty admirably. And played pretty well for the Eagles yesterday. He was able to generate some points on the offensive side of the ball. And he converted a big 4th and 18 to, I believe, Greg Ward Jr. in the back of the end zone. Threw a nice touchdown pass. And then, um, I, I just like the way that Jalen Hurts was able to move the ball up and down the field for the Eagles offense. It was something that Carson Wentz could not do the entire day outside of maybe the first drive of the game where they were able to get a field goal. But just overall, just it is it's just tough to watch the Eagles, man. The Eagles are just an absolute eyesore at this point. I actually thought the defense held their own against Aaron Rodgers for the most part yesterday. But it's when your offense can't generate good consistent drive to get some points on the board, eventually that defense is gonna crack and it, it did and it just it it really goes to show that if the offense can't get it together, eventually that defense is gonna break down and they're going to give up points, and that's what happened for the most part yesterday. So looking forward for the for the Eagles, does Carson Wentz start next week? I'm not entirely sure of that. I think at this point, it really doesn't matter who you start because the offensive line is so bad at pass protecting. So whether it's Jalen Hurts or Carson, I don't think it's going to really matter. I think Jalen brings a little bit of a different dynamic because he, he can extend plays with his feet. But, you know, we'll see. I'm not really convinced who should I'm not really convinced that Carson should be the starter or Jalen should be the starter. You can make a point for either 
either player at this point, but it's just, it's just a mess in Philadelphia as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Doug Peterson should probably – I'm not going to say that he should be fired, but his his seat should definitely be warm at this point because this team is 3-8-1. and one. It looks like they're going absolutely nowhere in a division that is still for the taking. I mean, a 3-8-1, and one, this division is not lost on them, but they're just not showing me anything to make it look like they're going to make some sort of push to get to the NFC East crown. I just don't see it. So – the Eagles really have to – they really got to dig deep here, and they really got to figure this thing out. Or else they're going to probably end up looking at this like a 5-10-1 and 10 and 1 record or like a 4-11-1 and 11 and 1 record. I, I'd be really surprised if the Eagles win more than two games at this point for the rest of the year. I'd be surprised. If they win two games, I'd be really surprised. So they really need to get it together. But then we'll focus on the Packers here. The Packers, they looked outstanding yesterday except for really the fourth quarter. That fourth quarter, they definitely let their foot off the pedal, and the Eagles did take advantage of it. The Eagles got a touchdown uh, from Jalen Hurts, and then they were able to get a punt return late in the fourth quarter to make it a one-score game when it looked like the entire game, the, the Packers had full control of that game. So I think if you're the, if you're the Packers coaching staff, you definitely have to take that into account. You have to play a full 60 minutes. And it, it, like I said, I, I've criticized the Eagles vehemently throughout the entirety of the season for the most part. But they're still a talented team. And they were still able to make it a one-possession game when the Packers let their foot off the pedal. So it's at this point, you know, for the Packers, that's really the only thing I could stress is just play a full 60 minutes. They'll be fine. Aaron Rodgers yesterday was outstanding, 25 of 34 for 295 yards, had three touchdowns. That connection between him and Devontae Adams is money every single time. And, I, I, I mean, it just continues to, It just continues for them. I mean, Devontae Adams had 10 receptions for 121 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, the other, the next closest receiver that had kind of sim had a similar, I, I wouldn't say similar performance, but... It, had a, had a decent day receiving was Robert Tanyan. He had four catches for 39 yards and a touchdown as well. But that Devontae Adams, um, Aaron Rodgers connection is just money. It's probably the best duo in the NFL right now just because they're able to hook up so easily. You can make a case that it may be Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hills and Tyreek Hill. But I'm going to give it to Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Their, their chemistry is on point. It's been on point all year. And I wouldn't be surprised if it just continues for the rest of the season. And then just to kind of hit, hit this quick point real quick, um, I thought Aaron Jones had a solid day yesterday, had 15 carries, 130 yards. He was averaging over 8.5 yards a carry, absolutely dominated yesterday. Also added a ru rushing touchdown as well. So I remember he was able to break off a pretty solid run for that touchdown. I think it was like a 75-yard uh, rush. So solid day from Aaron Jones. And they're going to need him going into the playoffs this year. So as long as they're able to get decent production from Aaron Jones, I mean, if he pulls off 100-yard games, great. But as long as he's averaging about four or five yards a carry and is consistently getting good touches, it's really the best thing that you can hope for moving forward with Aaron Jones. But the Packers are sitting pretty. They're 9-3. and three. They're at the top of the NFC. Really, the only team they have to compete with for that top spot is the Saints at this point. So if the Packers just keep playing the way that they've been playing the last few weeks, I think they'll be fine. 
So they're looking pretty good at 9-3 right now. So moving on, we'll cover the... Let's see what we'll cover here. Let's go over to the Colts and the Texans. So the Colts and the Texans... This was a really good divisional game yesterday. And the Colts get the win. Won by the score of 26-20. to And really this game, I thought... I thought it was going to be a pretty close game just because really Deshaun Watson has played pretty well over the last couple weeks. Has had a couple of decent wins. But coming going up against the Colts is definitely one of their tougher matchups of the year. And, and the Colts were able to get this win yesterday. I like the connection that Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton had yesterday. They were really on point yesterday. So just to kind of go over Phillip Rivers here. Phil Rivers went 27 to 35 at 285 yards, added two touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was a T.Y. Hilton, and I thought T.Y. Hilton had one of probably his better games of the year. He had eight catches for 110 yards, added that touchdown from Phil Rivers. And the one thing that always impresses me about Phil Rivers is is that he's able to spread the ball around really well. Yesterday, so just looking at the, re- the receiving stats here, he. Pass it to one, two, three, four, five. He passed it to nine different receivers yesterday. I love the fact that he's able to spread the ball around and not consistently just go after one target like T.Y. Hillen. I understand that T.Y. Hillen had the majority of the catches yesterday, but I like the fact that he, you know, he's throwing it to Michael Pittman Jr. He had five catches yesterday. He's throwing it to Jonathan Taylor. He had three catches, and then he had that one real he had that one wheel route that ended up being a touchdown for him. So. Not only that, he's throwing to Mo Ali Cox, Naeem Hines, Jack Doyle, Trey Burton. He's getting good. Pa- he's spreading the ball around on the offensive side of the ball, and he's not turning the ball over, which is great. And it's one of the things that I think moving forward, it does kind of present a difficult challenge for opposing defenses. You never know what you're going to get from Phil Rivers as far as him passing the ball. It could be a day where he passes to Michael Pittman Jr. It could be a day where he hits up the running backs a lot on checkdowns or it could just be a day where he hits T.Y. Hilton for eight to ten targets and T.Y. Hilton has a solid day I think if you're able to have that moving forward where you're able to spread the ball around and you don't really know who's going to have the best day receiving that presents a very good advantage for the Colts moving forward as long as Phil Rivers doesn't turn the ball over now yesterday I will say this I've talked about it before, and I'm going to say it again. They need to give Jonathan Taylor carries because Jonathan Taylor, to me, is that work that workhorse of the running back field out of Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines. I've always kind of thought that Naheem Hines is really good out of the backfield for passing plays, and you could probably make a certain – you could probably make the same um, – you could probably say the same thing about Jordan Wilkins as well, but Jonathan Taylor is that workhorse running back and if he gets, if you give him the ball, he's going to give you decent carries. And he did it again yesterday. He only had 13 carries yesterday, but he almost had 100 yards rushing on top of it. I mean, he's averaging seven yards a carry. If you get that type of production from him moving forward, I know he's still a rookie, and I know he's still probably trying to get a feel for the game, for the NFL game at this point. Totally understand that. But he is one of those guys that is going to constantly grind. Whenever he gets the ball, I remember one of the carries that he ended up getting. This was in the first quarter. I, I I don't remember the down and distance. He gets like a ten to fifteen yard gain, but he's able to extend the play with his feet when it looks like he's already getting tackled. 
and then he takes a 10-yard gain and then turns it into a 15-yard gain. And I remember even Greg Gumbel said it. It was an impressive run. And for a rookie to do do that against an opposing defense where there's probably three or four defense, defensive players trying to tackle him, and he's still getting good yardage, really when it looks like he's wrapped up, it just goes to show how well Jonathan Taylor can be if you just give him consistent touches. So really, just give a shout-out to Jonathan Taylor. I know he's a rookie. I know he's still trying to figure things out. But he had a solid performance yesterday. But the Colts, as a team, got lucky yesterday. And really, at the end of the game, um, the Texans had a real good chance to win that game. And they got down to, I believe, the one or two-yard line. And it was a it was a botched snap by Deshaun Watson. He ends up fumbling the ball. And the Colts pick it up with about, I think about a minute and 15 seconds left. I forget the, I forget the time, but it really looked like that the Texans had that game. The Texans were really close. Um, and they just let one slip. And I mean, that would have been a huge loss for the Colts had Deshaun Watson and that offense scored with about a minute left in the game. Cause it, it, it looked for certain that the Colts were going to lose that game. And then that, that fumbled snap by Deshaun Watson ended up being the difference maker and Indianapolis leaves with the win. So if you're a Colts fan, my main thing is probably you're, you're happy to get the win. You're probably not happy at how you got it because more than likely that's a game that you're probably going to lose. But you know, if you're a Texans fan, probably just gutted by the fact that that was a game that you probably should have won. And you just let it slip. And you definitely got a feel for Deshaun Watson. He he definitely looked gutted after that that fumble. Definitely knew that it was on him. And, I mean, at this point, you know, if you're looking at Houston, the main thing is just consistency. And they would they could have potentially be, been 5-7 and seven if they got that win against the Colts yesterday. But they're sitting at 4-8. and eight, So, really, any chance of, like, a last-minute comeback to try to get into the playoffs is pretty much out of the window at this point. And, I mean, just looking at the Colts here, they're 8-4. And, and, you know, they're tied with the Titans at this point. So, that AFC South is still up for grabs between the Titans and the, and the Colts. And the Colts the Colts have a decent shot here. So, you need to kind of pay attention to them over the next couple weeks. We'll see what happens with them. But, if you're a Colts fan, happy to get the win. But probably not happy at how that game transpired, especially at the end. You know, and you can make a case that probably the, the play calling by Frank White by Frank Reich probably wasn't the best yesterday, but it was enough to get the win. But if you're the if you're a Colts fan, eight and four is a lot better than seven and five. That's really the one thing that I can probably tell you at this point. So definitely pay attention to the Colts over the next couple of weeks because that AFC South over the next month or so is going to get really interesting. So moving on, we'll move on to the Patriots versus the Chargers. This game was an absolute this game shocked me yesterday i was really surprised at how well the patriots played they dominated the chargers yesterday i mean i was i was um listening to this game um when i was at work yesterday and the one thing that really surprised me was the the patriots once they got the lead i mean they were they led wire to wire yesterday and the, the one thing that surprised me was the fact that they, they were able to score in different ways. 
their special teams yesterday showed up really big. So they got a punt return from Gunnar Olszewski yesterday. I believe he got that in the first quarter, if I remember right. And then the end of first half, when it looks like the the Chargers were going to at least get some points on the board to go into halftime 21-3, the Patriots get a blocked field goal, and then Devin McCourty picks it up and then runs it back for a touchdown. So you're looking at a 10-point swing just right there. Instead of going into the half 21-3, to the Patriots went in the halftime of 28 to nothing, And it pretty much crushed the Chargers at that point because the Chargers didn't, couldn't get anything offensively going yesterday. I mean, just, just looking at the stats, I mean, Justin Herbert threw the ball 53 times, and he only had 209 yards passing. I mean, they, the Patriots defense absolutely locked up the Chargers offense. I mean, Keenan Allen only had five catches for 48 yards. Mike Williams only had four catches for 43 yards. Then Austin Eckler out of the backfield only had four catches for 32 yards. I mean, this team was just held in check all day yesterday. Really, you got to give a lot of respect to the Patriots defense here. They really were able to step it up really well yesterday. Got three sacks on Justin Herbert yesterday. They were able to get a couple interceptions. I believe J.C. Jackson had an interception. I believe Chase Winovich had the other one as well. And... Yeah, it was just a really bad performance from the Chargers yesterday. and In large part, it was just because how well the Patriots defense played. And then, I mean, just looking offensively, I mean, offensively, New England it struggles. I mean, it is not pretty to watch the Patriots offense, but they do enough to get it done, and I will give them credit for that. So yesterday, they, they were able to run the ball pretty well. Damian Harris had 16 carries for 80 yards. Cam Newton had about 50 yards on the ground, had a two rushing touchdowns as well two rushing touchdowns as well. And then Sony Michelle got 35 yards on top of it. So overall, I mean, you're getting about 150 yards rushing from them. That's pretty good um, for the Patriots. I mean, passing the ball, Cam Newton's got to, Cam Newton's not going to, it's just, it's so weird to watch Cam Newton pass the ball. I know he had that shoulder surgery a couple years ago. It, it just, it looks so awkward with him throwing the ball. It's just, there are some games where he can really step up and he can really give you like a 250-yard to 300-yard passing performance. But a lot of these games that he's played in this year, it's a lot of like 80 yards passing, 120-some yards passing, like 160 yards passing. He's not getting it done passing the ball, but they're really not asking him to throw the ball downfield that much. A lot of these passing plays that they have set up for him are pretty short passes. So, I mean, yesterday he was only 12 and 19 for 69 yards. He did have a passing touchdown to Nikhil Harry. So, um, yeah, it just we'll kind of wait and see with um, with Cam to kind of see if he at least gets some sort of confidence to at least extend the ball down the field. But the main focus here is the Patriots defense. The Patriots defense absolutely played outstanding yesterday. And right now they're sitting at 6-6. Six and six. They still have an outside shot to make the playoffs. I don't have a lot of confidence that they'll be able to do that. But, you know, the Patriots are sitting at 6-6. Six and six. You never know what could happen with them. It's a Bill Belichick-led team. Anything could happen. So keep an eye on them to kind of see if they can kind of squeak their way into that last playoff spot, the number 7 spot. But good, a really good win by the Patriots yesterday. It was, it, it was one of the better performances of the year. And I remember... Um, 
this is one of those games that I think, looking back, that this could be a real momentum booster for the Patriots if they end up really getting a chance to crack that last spot in the playoff race. I'd be really surprised if they do that. But looking at this game, this could be a real momentum booster for the Patriots to possibly make that run to get the last spot in the AFC playoff race. So moving on, we'll cover the Rams versus the Cardinals. This is probably one of the better games of the day. So you had the Cardinals sitting at 6-5 and five coming into this game. Then you had the Rams who were sitting at 7-4. and four. Now this is one of these matchups where it's a big divisional matchup. If the Cardinals get this win yesterday, it's a real it's a real um, logjam at the top of the NFC West because the Seahawks ended up losing yesterday, and then if the Cardinals win, they're sitting at seven and five. The Rams are sitting at seven and five, and then Seahawks sitting at eight and four. All three teams still have a viable chance to get to the top of the NFC West, but the Rams won yesterday by the score of thirty-eight to twenty-eight. Really, I thought the the one thing that stood out to me yesterday was the Rams' defense was able to hold Kyler Murray largely in check yesterday. So it, it does seem like that shoulder injury that Kyler Murray's been dealing with the last couple of weeks that has bothered him. Um, but defensively, I thought the, the Rams were able to get decent pressure on Kyler Murray pretty much for the most part of the day. And it, at this point... The Rams are just a better team, and I think if you look at like Jared Goff, for example, Jared Goff had a solid day yesterday. He hit 351 yards passing, 37 to 47 uh, for passing uh, completions compared to attempts. Added a touchdown, uh, added a touchdown as well. But the one thing that did stand out to me was the run game yesterday. The run game was big when it needed to be. So Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson were the main workhorses yesterday. And they showed up when they needed to. So Cam Akers had 21 carries for 72 yards, added a touchdown as well. Daryl Henderson had three carries for 49 yards and added a touchdown as well. Really solid performances from them. And I like when they run the ball because I, I do think sometimes that Sean, McGay, uh, Sean McVay is, gets a little bit too pass happy with Jared Goff. Because he still threw the ball 47 times yesterday. you got to give these guys, especially your running backs, a chance to run the ball. And in large part, they were able to. Now, Sam Akers only averaged, excuse me, Cam Akers only averaged three and a half yards per carry yesterday. But he's still able to get solid carries from him. Had about 75 yards rushing. If you're able to get decent production from their running backs, the Rams are not that bad of, a, of an offense. I just think sometimes they do get too pass happy with Jared Goff, and then if he's not having the best day, it really kind of sets the Rams back. But in large part, give credit to, to the Rams' offense. They put up 38 points on the road against the Cardinals. And just kind of looking at the Cardinals here, the, the one thing that's been kind of suspect for the Cardinals all year has been their defense. Whether it was against the Bills, whether it was against the Patriots, and now against the Rams, they give up points. I remember even against Seattle a couple weeks ago, they gave up points. And I mean, giving up 38 points at home, I mean, that is not a good look. And it's really, I think, one of the things that's holding this team back is their defense. I think Kyler Murray and the offense are doing, they're doing pretty solid so far this year. I mean, they're, they've been consistent, but 
it's the defense that's had really inconsistent performance performances. I mean, really, realistically, the Cardinals are a Hail Mary pass from being if that Hail Mary pass against the Buffalo Bills doesn't connect with DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, right now they're sitting at five and seven. So I think there was a lot of momentum after that that game winning touchdown that the Cardinals had against the Bills a couple weeks ago. But since then They've been inconsistent. Granted, Kyler Murray's been injured. And I, I, I'll give him a little bit of excuse there. But the defense has not stepped up. And if the defense is not going to play well, especially these last couple weeks they haven't, they're not going to go anywhere. So, I mean, realistically, this team could realistically be 5-7 and seven at this point instead of 6-6. Six and six. So, if the Cardinals are going to go anywhere, they need to get that defense straightened out. Because until that happens... They could keep losing games because Kyler Murray can only carry that team so far on a bum shoulder. So we'll definitely have to see how the rest of the season goes for the Cardinals. And the Rams are currently um, tied with the Seahawks eight and four. So I was kind of thinking that Seattle had a pretty good had a pretty good control on the NFC West at this point, but no more because L- L- the LA Rams are tied with them right now. So we'll kind of see how. The next couple weeks go with the Rams. So the Rams definitely have a viable shot to get to the top spot in the NFC West. So definitely pay attention to them over the next couple weeks. Um, the next game that we'll go over will be against the Lions and the Bears. This game was, it, it, this was a shocker to me. I was really surprised that the Lions were able to pull off this win. And in large part, I thought that this game was over with about five and a half minutes left, Bears are up thirty to twenty in the like the later half of the in the later part of the fourth quarter, and the the Lions were able to get some drives at the end of the game. And I'll give Matt I'll give Matt Stafford credit; he was able to to really lead that team late in the fourth quarter to give them a shot, and that's really the main thing that you could hope for at this point. That's really the main thing that you could hope for. Remember, he threw a. Um, Threw a touchdown pass to Marvin Jones with about, I want to say maybe two and a half minutes left in the game. I'm not sure. Threw a nice touchdown pass to Marvin Jones to get the lead, uh, to get the deficit cut to three. And then and then a fumble by Mitchell Trubisky. Absolutely screwed the Bears over. They fumbled the ball on like the 25-yard line on their side of the field. I think it was under the two-minute warning at that point. And then Adrian Peterson just absolutely ran over everybody on uh, his rushing touchdown with about, I want to say, like a minute left in the game and put them up 34-30. to 30. It Just a really solid performance from the Lions in the fourth quarter when they needed it. This was a big win for them. This was their first win after the firing of Matt Patricia. So it was definitely a good win for them. But we need to talk about the Bears here. I said it. A few, I said it a couple days ago on the last episode of the podcast. If the Bears didn't get this win, it, you really need to just start really evaluating the quarterback position for next year. Because as far as I'm concerned, Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles are, I wouldn't say that either two of them, I wouldn't say that either of them are the option moving forward for the Bears next year. Because, I mean, I didn't even think that Mitchell Trubisky played that bad yesterday. He was 26-34 and threw 267 yards and had a touchdown. But just 
you cannot have that mental mistake in the fourth quarter when you, when really all you're trying to do is just kind of kill the clock and then maintain possession. And they weren't able to do it yesterday. And that's on Mitchell Trubisky's shoulders once again. And it's one of those things that quarterback play with the Chicago Bears has always been inconsistent. And when you needed to get just a drive to just drain some of the clock and potentially pin Detroit deep in their own side of the field with either no timeouts and limited time to maybe get some sort of game time field goal, you turn the ball over on your side of the field and you give just a golden opportunity to Detroit to take advantage of it. And they do, and they score with about a minute left in the game to go up 34 to 30. The Bears should have won this game yesterday. I mean, to be up 30 to 20 with about five and a half minutes left, it seems like you've been in control for most of the game. And then you let and then you let one slip like that. That's a really bad loss for the Bears. Just the Bears have been a very frustrating team to watch this year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But yeah, this just the Bears, man. The Bears are just a tough team to watch. And yeah, very frustrating performance yesterday because they probably should have won that game yesterday. But shout out to Detroit. They definitely needed that win yesterday after the firing of Matt Patricia, and they got it. So good on the. Uh, Good on the Lions yesterday. Give them credit for that. So we'll talk about the um, the Chiefs versus the Broncos next. So this was actually a more competitive game than I thought it was going to be. So the Chiefs end up winning this one. Close game uh, by the score of 22-16. to 22-16, uh, to 16, excuse me. Um, I was really kind of surprised at how close this game was. But I think looking back at this game, this game was really a lot of almost chances for the Chiefs. What I mean by that is that there were a lot of plays where Patrick Mahomes was trying to hit the big shot on whether it was Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, but just couldn't, it wasn't able to connect on some of these plays um, with the receivers yesterday. I didn't even, I didn't really think that Patrick Mahomes played bad. He was 25 of 40, threw for 318 yards and, and, a, and threw a touchdown. I, I didn't necessarily think that Patrick Mahomes was that bad. It's just, just missed a couple throws yesterday and they did have one touchdown to Tyree kill that got, that got called back where I, I forget who Tyree kill was matched up against, but, Ty, uh, but Patrick Mahomes just threw an absolute bomb to Hill. Hill catches it. He stands on the one yard line and just stares down the cornerback that he was uh, going up against and then does a backflip in the end zone. It didn't end up standing because the chiefs had a holding penalty, but yeah, it just the, this this game for the Chiefs, looking back, they'll probably be happy that they got this win here. But this is a game that they probably should have put up 30, 35 points. They had they had a couple opportunities that just couldn't capitalize on them. Um, I, just looking at the, the Broncos here, the, the Broncos are just... They're going through some growing pains right now with Drew Locke. With Drew Locke. Um, the one thing that I can't say about Drew Locke is that it, he's he's always trying. And I, I, I think to a certain extent that trying thing does get him in trouble because there are times when he tries to extend the play when he doesn't need to. It's like if he's out of the pocket and there's nobody open, sometimes he'll force the ball down the field to try to get it to a receiver. And then that's some, that usually ends up either in a knockdown pass or potentially in an interception. And he had a few of those yesterday. And the second interception that he had, I'm just, I'm not really going to focus on that because he's just trying to extend, um, he's just trying to get them down the field to try to get them for 
you know, to try to get them within scoring distance. But the main thing with Drew Locke is don't overcomplicate things. I think the one thing that Broncos fans should probably look forward to with Drew Locke is there are times where he there's that there are times where he can flash. And I think the one thing that they need to do is they need to simplify some of the routes for Drew Locke. Because I think sometimes when he tries to force a ball downfield 30, 40 yards, he can make those plays, but I think he's a lot more com- comfortable with those short intermediate routes. So I think if if you're the Broncos moving forward with the play calling, definitely try to hit, hit up um, the receivers on some short intermediate routes. I think just that way you're able to build some confidence and it's still some consistency with Drew Locke moving forward at the quarterback position. But overall, I, I didn't think the defense actually played that bad yesterday. The defense, I mean, when you could hold Patrick Mahomes and that offense of 22 points on the road, really solid performance. So giving up 22 points, that's that's a solid performance. And that's not one that that's not one that I was expecting. I was expecting the Chiefs to score 30 to 35 points in this game. But give them credit give the Broncos defense credit. They held their own against probably the most prolific offense in the game today. And they gave their they gave Drew Locke a chance. And that's really the best thing that you can hope for. It's just like I said, that Broncos offense is going through some growing pains. A lot of a lot of young players yesterday. I mean, a lot of young players on the offensive side of the ball. But it's it's performances like these where, you know, they're they're learning experiences at this point, and that's really the main thing that you could teach them at this point is just teach these guys through experience. They they had an opportunity to win that game yesterday. Just they kind of let it slip in the fourth quarter, and it ended up being the difference. But Drew Lock, I think the main thing with him is just don't. The main thing is just give up when you need to, live for another down. And then just hit up those short and intermediate routes. I think if they do that moving forward, I think they'll be fine. But yeah, I was really surprised at the result of this game. I was I was expecting a blowout from the Chiefs, and it just ended up not being the case. So up next, we will cover the what are we, what are we going to go over here? Let's go over the Raiders versus the Jets because this game I thought was this was a crazy game yesterday because I thought for the most part. The, the Raiders were going to win this one fairly convincingly, but the Jets almost won this one. But the Ra- Raiders won by the score of 31-28. to 28. So this game, really, let's just kind of kick it to the fourth quarter. This game was really shocking to me because the Jets were literally 10 seconds away from winning this game. And Derek Carr, I think from like the 50-yard line or like the 40-50-yard to 50 yard line, gets the ball and just throws an absolute bomb to Henry Ruggs and just throws a, a drop in the bucket to Henry Ruggs for a game-winning touchdown with five seconds left. It looked like the Jets were going to finally win a game this year. And then Derek Carr really just snatches this game-winning touchdown throw to Henry Ruggs at the end of the game to give them the win 31-28. to um, if, you're a Jets, if you're a Jets player, you got to be absolutely gutted by that throw because it looked like the Jets had a really good chance to actually win that game. But I I don't know why that they were bringing a zero cover. uh, um, They brought a, they brought a zero blitz on a play where literally all they had to do was play kind of like a prevent defense because 
at that point, the, the Raiders were only down. I mean, the Raiders were down four points with under 20 seconds left. And I don't know why you bring a zero coverage blitz in that on that play. All you got to do is just play decent defense on the back end and knock the ball down. Because really, at that point, the Raiders only have really a chance to maybe get one or two plays if they're able to get a uh, get a reception and then get out of bounds. So I'm I'm really surprised at the play call there. I, I think that was a wrong play call to make, but it ended up being the difference maker because Henry Ruggs did a du- did a double move, and it cost the Jets pretty much the game. So, I mean, it, if you're the Raiders at this point, you're probably not happy that you, you damn near lost to the Jets, but you're happy to at least get out of New York with a win. You're seven and five. You're still a viable team in the AFC playoff race at this point. So they're definitely going for a wild card spot. They're, they, they're not going to have a chance to win the AFC West at this point. The AFC West is already locked up with the Chiefs. But moving forward with the Raiders, you're lucky to win this game, but you damn near lost to the Jets. So it, it's one of these things that the Raiders are definitely going to have to um, – are definitely going to have to look back. I know they had one of their worst performances against the Falcons about a week and a half ago, or two weeks ago, but to damn near lose to the Jets, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Good enough to get the win, but you damn near didn't. So, um, yeah, that's really all I can say about the Raiders at this point. The Raiders got lucky yesterday. It's really the main takeaway from yesterday. And then really the last two games we'll go over is going to be the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Jaguars and the Vikings. Um, We'll go over the Dolphins game first. Really not much of a – this is kind of a boring game yesterday. Um, Not really too much to cover yesterday. I I thought – I thought um, Tua Tagovailoa did enough to get them to win with the Dolphins winning uh, 19-7 here. Um, I thought Tua had a good game. 296 yards passing, 26 to 39, had a touchdown, didn't turn the ball over yesterday. So that's really the, that's really the main thing that you could hope for for uh, Tua moving forward, really just to kind of instill some confidence in him. Um, I thought the defense played outstanding. Granted, they are going up against a, a backup quarterback in Brandon Allen. So it's not Joe Burrow you're going up against. But overall, the Dolphins did, did what they needed to do. They moved to eight and four. They're still a viable shot in the AFC East at this point. So definitely keep your eyes on on the Dolphins here. So I'm I'm not really going to focus too much on uh, the game here, just because it's kind of a boring game yesterday. But the Dolphins get the win, nineteen to seven. And then the, the last game that we'll cover from the Sunday matchups is going to be from the Vikings and the Jaguars game. Very competitive game yesterday. Um, really, I. I'm surprised at the fact that the um, that the Jaguars were competitive once again in bad-to-bad games. So, but the Vikings get the win here, 27 to 24. Um, with with the Jaguars, I, they're one and eleven. They've lost eleven straight games, but I didn't think they actually looked that bad yesterday. So, um, there were stretches where I thought Mike Lennon looked pretty solid. Um, he was able to able to make some decent plays, 
um, was able to ex- uh, able was able to extend some plays with his feet. Um, but really, it was um, the overtime portion of the game that really kind of hurt the the uh, Jaguars here because Mike Lennon had a chance to kind of get them down the field to set them up for a field goal. Ends up getting an interception, and then the the Vikings march down the field and end up getting the game winning field goal uh, to give them the win. So, it, I mean, like I said, I've said this before. The main thing I think of with the Jacksonville Jaguars is a black hole because I. I said it with Gardner Minshew. Really, Gardner Minshew was really the only thing I knew about the team. But Mike Glennon has been kind of a journeyman in the NFL for like the last decade or so. Um, but yeah, it's just it, it, it's tough with with the Jaguars right here because obviously at this point they're going for a top spot in the in the draft. I mean, one eleven that's just that's just a dreadful record. But they were they played competitive yesterday. That so that's at least something to kind of hang their hat on. And then to kind of kick it here to the to the Vikings, I thought the Vikings were okay yesterday. I I thought Kirk Cousins was okay. Um, he was twenty eight of forty three, three hundred five yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. That one interception ended up being a pick six early in the second half. Um, I, the one thing that I'll say was uh, the one thing that I'll say is um, Justin Jefferson is an absolute monster. Same thing with Adam Thielen. Um. Justin Jefferson could potentially be the rookie of the year. I mean, I, Joe Burrow is out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, Justin Herbert looked like an absolute, uh, looked like an absolute uh, eyesore yesterday. But Justin Jefferson is fourth in the league in receiving, and he just backed it up with a nine-catch game, 121 yards, and a touchdown to add. This guy is outstanding, and. You could tell that Kirk Cousins has a lot of confidence in throwing him the ball, just because he he is really. You can make a very valid point that he is the number one receiver on the team, but I, I think it's kind of more of a one A one B situation with Jefferson and Adam Thielen because Adam Thielen had a solid day yesterday. He had eight catches for seventy five yards and a touchdown as well. So this team offensively, it, it, it's got the players. They've got some decent. They've got really good players with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen, but it's really on Kirk Cousins' shoulders. If Kirk Cousins plays, if Kirk Cousins play, plays well, they're fine. If he turns the ball over and plays inconsistently, then they're in trouble. So, like I said, they did enough to get this win. They move on to six and six, and they're on a little bit of a roll right now. So, they're they're kind of like in a similar situation that the Patriots are in in the AFC. They're definitely looking on the outside in right now, but they're they're they have a real shot to make the playoffs. They they got to pull off a couple more wins to kind of finish off the season, but they got a real chance here. So definitely keep an eye on the Vikings moving forward. Um, other than that, that that'll pretty much wrap up the that'll wrap up all the Sunday matchups um, to go over. Definitely had some good games. Like I said, really the two big performances that I'll probably look at are probably the Patriots winning 45 to nothing. That's, that's outstanding. I mean, you're talking about possibly Anthony Lynn's coaching job being on the line after a performance like this, because that's just absolutely unacceptable. And you lost a 45, nothing at home. Granted, I know there's no fans in the stands, so it really doesn't have much to do with anything, but for the Patriots to go from the East coast to the West coast to get a win like that, 
very, very impressive. And then really the the other probably big performances of the week, the Browns getting the win on the road against the Titans. That was a huge win for them. And then probably the Giants beating the Seahawks. That was a game that I I didn't see that result being what it was. So if I get the Giants getting that win, that's a huge boost for them. And it probably at least gets some separation in the NFC West. We'll see what happens with the Cowboys, which we'll talk about in a second. So there are still three games left to be played this week. So we got a couple games. Um, we've got the Washington versus uh, we got Washington against the Steelers. We've got the Bills versus the 49ers. And then we got the Cowboys and the Ravens. So the Steelers and the Washington football team play later today. And then we got the Bills and the 49ers playing tonight. And then the Cowboys and the Ravens playing tomorrow. So just to kind of give you guys a, a quick rundown of these games, I got the Steelers beating the Washington football team. I've got the Bills beating the 49ers. And then I've got the Ravens beating the Cowboys. We'll start with the Steelers versus Washington football team first. Um, the Steelers are just running and gunning at this point. I just don't think that Alex Smith is going to be able to get enough uh, offensive generated for them. I just think that Steelers defense is going to be too much for them. I think the Steelers win this one pretty easily. So, I mean, if they get this win, they, they move on to 12-0, which is which is absolutely incredible. I, I mean, it, granted, I, I don't know if they're the best 12-0 team that I've ever seen, but the record shows it's 12-0. They could potentially be twelve and zero. That's that's a bit that, that could be a big big win for the Steelers. Up next, we got the Bills and the 49ers. I got the Bills winning here. Um, I just think that their offense is going to be too much to handle for the 49ers defense. Um, I think it'll be a close game though. I, th- I definitely think that the 49ers are going to definitely compete in this game. Um, they're still dealing with injuries. They've been dealing with them all year. I think I think the Bills are going to win in a close one though. So, but. The Bills need this win to stay at the top spot in the AFC East and kind of keep that separation from the Dolphins at this point. Then the last game of the week, we'll talk about the Cowboys versus the Ravens. The Ravens should win this one fairly easily. That Cowboys defense, um, I don't think is going to perform that well against Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is going to end up playing, even though he's still listed on the COVID protocol list. He's probably going to play. Granted, he might be a little bit rusty because he hasn't practiced all week. But going up against that Cowboys defense, he should be able to handle that defense, I think, fairly well. And I just don't think the Cowboys offense is going to be able to generate anything significant against the Ravens. The Ravens should win this one fairly easily. So that'll pretty much wrap up all the NFL matches from this, the NFL matchups from this week. We'll uh, transition into some of the college games. Um, we'll just kind of do a quick rundown of some of the top teams. So. Alabama played against LSU this past weekend and absolutely smashed them. Won by the score of 55 to 17. I mean, just just the model of consistency from um, Alabama here. Just roll tide. Just, I mean, it got to the point where freaking Ed Orgeron was having a freaking conniption on the sideline just because of how bad Alabama was beating LSU. It was just an absolutely dominated performance from Alabama. And they're clearly the number one team in the nation at this point. There are some really good teams um, in the country still, but Alabama is clearly the number one team. Um, We'll move on to Notre Dame since they're the number two team in the country right now. So they played against Syracuse the other day, and they won by the score of 45-21. to 
Um, Notre Dame did just continue to roll, and really after the um, after that um, win that they got against Clemson about a month ago, they've just continued to roll. I mean, they they beat Boston College a couple weeks ago, forty-five to thirty-one. They beat UNC on the road, who was ranked seventeen at the time, thirty-one to seventeen, and then you get a nice win at home, forty-five to twenty-one. They just continue to roll, and they are setting themselves up for a date with Clemson in the a and the ACC championship. So it'll be a uh, it'll definitely be a interesting matchup between those two teams because in the first matchup, uh, Trevor Lawrence was not playing in that game due to COVID. So moving on. We'll move on to the number three team. Uh, Clemson beat Virginia Tech fairly easily. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked absolutely outstanding yesterday. The offense put up 45 points, and the defense just absolutely held held down Virginia Tech yesterday, only giving up 10 points. Like I said, the main thing to focus on here is that potential that is that matchup between Clemson and Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. That is going to be a monster game. And that is going to be one that's going to be very fun to watch. So, um, the number four team, we'll talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes. Buckeyes just rolled yesterday against Michigan State. Um, this was uh, this was a big game for them because this was their first game in two weeks, and they had one of their games canceled due to COVID. I forget who they were playing, but one of their games got canceled because of COVID. But they looked absolutely outstanding yesterday. Um, 52 to 12, just and to do that on the road, absolutely outstanding from Ohio State. They're definitely a top four team at this point, and right now they're, they're setting themselves up pretty well. Uh, they play Michigan next week. Um, that's gonna be a beatdown. That I don't expect Michigan to do anything significant in that game. Ohio State should roll in that game. I know it's one of the most uh, storied rivalries in all of college football, but I think Ohio State is gonna absolutely smash Michigan. And it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if that is Jim Harbaugh's last game in Michigan, if they get absolutely smashed by Ohio State. And then, really, the last game that I'm going to focus on here um, is going to be the Florida Gators. So the Florida Gators beat Tennessee uh, 31 to 19. Um, Florida continues to roll. Um, the main thing with uh, with Florida at this point is just finish out the rest of the season healthy and they are set up to play the Alabama Crimson Tide in the SEC championship game, which is going to be a monster of a game. Um, we'll definitely see how, how the, uh, how those two teams um, potentially face each other, but that is going to be a fun game to watch. And that was definitely, that'll definitely be a game that I'll be paying attention to. So with that said, you guys, that'll pretty much wrap up the episode. I know it's kind of a longer episode with all of the, NFL breakdown and all of the recaps from the games, but appreciate you guys tuning into the episode uh, for the rest of the week. Um, we're going to probably start gearing up for the NBA. The NBA is only two weeks away. Obviously we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the week 14 matchups for the NFL next week. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit, a little bit about the, um, I'm trying to think on whether or not I should talk about another like report card uh, for some of the NFL teams. I'll probably do that a couple weeks from now. I might do that at the end of the end of the year. I might do like a might do like a MVP breakdown. Um, might do like an offensive rookie of the year breakdown. I might do kind of like a 
like an awards update at this point, kind of show you guys who I think is leading the pack in some of the MVP races, offensive player of the year stuff, just kind of things of those nature. So, well, definitely keep an eye out for that. But other than that, you guys will wrap it up here. Thanks for tuning in and take it easy.